Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be It's good to see you this morning. We're glad that you can be here with us on this Martin Luther King Sunday. And as we now come to worship, may we be lifted up to indeed bless God's presence. And what a great and beautiful morning these mornings have been, as well as the sunset with our little bit of clouds from the storms. They've been glorious. So what better song could we sing today as we stand to sing our hymn of celebration number 185, When Morning Gilds the Skies. singing well this morning.
Now, Lois, 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 you cheating these people. You cheating these people. You didn't tell us that marvelous story about how you met Dr. Oh, King. Oh, I didn't. Because I didn't want you to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> before you were born in 1960, before you were born, I'm sitting on the stage in the choir, auditorium, 6,000 people are out there, and Dr. King wanted to know if anybody sang his special song. So, of course, my choir director, Dr. Kent, oh, Lois sings that. I said, there's 6,000 people out there, and you didn't tell me I had to sing a song. <laughs> Dr. King turns around and says, oh, you'll be fine. Of course, I didn't believe it, because there's 6,000 people out there. <laughs> I got up, sang the song. Dr. King said, see, I told you you'd be fine. I asked for his autograph. I have his autograph. <laughs> what I'm going to tell you, and Linnell won't want me to tell you this part. I put the autograph in my scrapbook. Now, I don't know whether I think Lynn and Linnell drew mustaches on me. Oh. <laughs> so, they weren't, it wasn't me. <laughs> She's going to put it on Lynn. Now, if Lynn was here, she would say, Linnell. <laughs> but needless to say, I have his autograph with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to you all. We all have some pity in you because you're precious, precious people. And that's what King wanted. Thank you so much. I just uh, wanted to say too, I, I love them singing that song. That, that song is a favorite of mine too, and it actually was sung at both of my parents' funerals. And uh, so it very close to my heart as well. As we continue with a spirit and an attitude of prayer, may we join in our prayer hymn 533, We Shall Overcome, verses one, three, and four.
Gracious and mighty God, we come to you today in prayer, for it is you who created the mountains, you who created the ocean depths, you who hemmed us in and knew us in our mother's womb and formed us. We give you thanks and praise for the joy of this life that you've shared with us, that we know in life that we lift up these our prayers through these songs and these hymns that we share, that we might overcome that we might be free, that we might experience your peace that passes all understanding. As we lift up our prayers today to give thanks for the joys that we celebrate with birthdays and engagements, anniversaries, for surgeries and so much more that we give thanks for, the blessings that we see and don't always acknowledge. But God, in our thanks and in our praise, we too carry burdens and hurts loved ones who are sick and dying, <clears throat> strangers and friends who are hurting, those we know who've given up hope or struggle to make ends meet or a host of other things. But God, in this morning, in this day, that we might rejoice that we lift up not only our prayers to you, but that we lift up our lives, that in so doing we might be ever transformed by having been in your presence and experiencing your spirit to move and to stir within our hearts that we go forth into all this world. But God, we come to you today on bended knee to lift up our prayers and our praise, to come in silence, to rest, to be still before you, Glorious God, wherever we might find ourselves this morning as we came in this door, may we know that today we are here with you in your presence. So we come in silence now. Merciful and loving God, we lift these, our prayers to you, that we learn to pray without ceasing, to continue to speak, but to listen, to share and to receive, that we might be your body. And as your body, we lift up our voices in unison with the, those around the world in every tongue, tribe, and nation who have prayed your prayer today, that we too might pray, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
God, we give you thanks and praise as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you bless and multiply these as we be faithful to the ministry to which you've called us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Scripture from St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 35. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet, and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at a point of death, Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who was suffering from hemorrhaging for 12 years. She endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather, than grow wor but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak. For she said, 
if I am but to touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing on you, how can you say who touched me? He looked, he looked around to see what, who had done it, but the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the teacher any further? This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of the word and ask once more today, O God, your blessing to be on this word. May it be as the good seed that finds its way to good earth, digs deep root, and brings forth harvest, that this now, the seed of the word of God, will dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. The story is told of Leonardo da Vinci, one day working on the face of Christ in what was to become the masterpiece that we know today as the Last Supper in the church of Santa Maria della Grazia in Milano. I've had the privilege to view this amazing painting and it truly is magnificent. But for 12 years, Leonardo had been working on this masterpiece. And while much of it had been completed, there was still a blank spot on the wall where Jesus' face was to appear. And he could not receive a clear inspiration for it. Finally, for inspiration, Leonardo had one of his pupils read the 13th chapter of St. John's Gospel to him. And Leonardo listened intently and meditated upon the words. And hardly had the last sound of the last word of the gospel been read and died away when Leonardo received this almost divine inspiration for an image of the face of Christ for which he had been waiting 12 long years. He set about immediately to begin to paint the image before it went away when all of a sudden another pupil burst into the room and cried, at last we have found you, Leonardo. You must come right away. The Duchess wants you. Well, why? What has happened? Leonardo asked. Trouble, Master Leonardo came the reply. The pipes on the bath are broken and will not work. Send Zora Astro to fix the pipes. I am busy on an inspiration for my great work. Oh no, declared the pupil. The Duchess ordered me not to return without you. Leonardo tries to resume his work, but the, but the moment is gone. It's no use, the train of thought is broken, and he slowly closes his box of colors and descends the scaffold, leaving off painting the face of Christ on what would prove to be one of his greatest central masterpieces to go and fix the plumbing. <laughs> Have you not too had those moments? when the sublime was interrupted by the mundane, moments when you would have wished to stay on the mountaintop and yet you were pulled unwillingly back to the valley, moments when our pre-planned agenda was completely turned around and upside down. The well-known author Norman Cousins once described his work as editor of the Saturday Review as presiding over interruptions. Well, I will be very honest with you, I hate interruptions. But you know, it is amazing how little it takes to interrupt us from even important things. The telephone call that goes off just as we're getting ready to go out the door. When you notice that your zipper is stuck just before you get up to address the congregation. <laughs> Which is why all ministers should wear robes, we don't care. <laughs> 
or you have a flat tire when you're already late to meet your best client. Any of you who have called my house know that I try to prevent some of those interruptions by having that stupor answering machine that says to you, I'm sorry, I've stepped out for the moment. At the tone, please leave your name and message. But that stupid machine has allowed me to finish more dinners hot, stay in touch with my thoughts while writing a sermon more often, and kept me more peace on my day off than anything I've ever owned. But the next time you call my office, it will say, thank you for calling, leave your name and your message. <laughs> but there are other interruptions as well, though, which an answer machine cannot handle. Those interruptions that knock us off, not only from making an appointment or inconveniencing ourselves, but knocking us off the very track of life. Interruptions which absolutely flourish, such as when life is interrupted by the death of someone that we love. When our health is interrupted by sickness, when we have a serious physical problem or an accident. When our joy is interrupted, when a marriage breaks up. When our serenity is interrupted when we become separated from someone we love within our families. Or a hundred other things that interrupt us from making our lives what we wish they could be. But the problem is sometimes this business of interruptions even affects our faith. We wonder if God too is uninterruptible or is God so busy taking care of the, of the universe that there's no time for us? That, that God is so big and we are so small that God cannot be considered to waste his time on any of us. And this rush, rush world of ours doesn't help us make it any more likely. No one has time to be interrupted anymore, do they? No one has time, much less to give time to someone who does stop for us. Everything is automated today on assembly lines with so much being done by robots and machines and computers. It's hard to envision that a personal relationship of others is possible in that kind of an atmosphere. It reminds me of the statement of astronaut Gordon Cooper, who just before getting on his spaceship before launch, told a reporter that he was worried, and when asked why, he replied, I just can't shake the thought that this ship was put together on an assembly line and that every part was manufactured by the lowest bidder. <laughs> Something to think about. Indeed, in the midst of the rush of the crowds and the impersonality of our world run by machines, we wonder if even a personal relationship with God is possible. We wonder if God is not so unlike the corporate president or CEO of a corporation that just stays up in the office and lets the peon in the mailroom go about their own way because doesn't have time to be bothered. We wonder if God can be interrupted in the midst of our needs. And often we feel as if we were absolutely alone and don't know if God could be bothered anyway to stop and see what our problem was. So my question this morning is, can God be interrupted for me and for you? Our scripture today is the story of the life of a simple woman. She was an obscure person. We don't even know her name. But what happened has endured 2,000 years. A story heard by countless millions upon millions of people who, in a simple act of her faith, would be read and reread by multitudes. We see her first for the first and only time upon the dusty road of the little town of Capernaum as she watches a small boat pulling up onto the unprotected shore and a small band of men disembarking carefully as they step upon the large, round, slippery stones which form the beach. And as she looks around, she sees a multitude of people coming quickly and soon the small group of people is completely surrounded by a thronging, pushing crowd as more people begin to empty their houses as they hear the news that the Nazarene was there. And this woman is now drawn into the crowd and as she, as she stretches her neck and as she stands on her toes, as she cranes her head to get a look, she tries to catch a view of the man from Galilee. 
And as she hears stories being told amongst the people about how Jesus had touched the life of this person and this person in so many different ways, her, her mind flashes back to all the things that have been happening to her for 12 years. She had a hemorrhage of blood. She remembers the pain. She remembers the suffering as doctors tried all their cures upon her, but the sorry and tattered state of her clothes gave evidence that she had spent everything that she had had on her doctors, and yet she was still unhealed. But instead of growing better, she only grew bitter as she grew worse. But even worse was the ridicule of those who looked at her. For you see, the blood issue made her ceremony unclean. She was exempt to be able to attend worship at the synagogue, which was not too far away, or the temple in Jerusalem. She was put out and shunned by all because she was impure and defiled. But then hearing the stories about Jesus, she, she wondered she wondered, was there any way in the midst of her need that she could stop Jesus to, to interrupt him so that she could tell him her story? Well, Jairus, the head of the temple, the head of the synagogue, he gets first choice. He's a big wheel in town. And he comes right to Jesus and drops before him and says, Jesus, I need you to come. And she sees now her hope being taken away as Jesus follows Jairus and she looks at him and wonders, is there any way I can stop him? His, his face looks so commanding, and, and yet she saw so much kindness. His eyes were deep and piercing, and yet she saw the love. His hands were strong, and, and, and yet so gentle. Maybe there was hope. Maybe there was a chance for her. But then so many others had also come for Jesus' touch, and now she's being pushed back away and away from Jesus. And she has but one thought, maybe if I can just reach through the crowd and touch him, I, I can't go in front of him, I can't approach him because I'm an unclean woman, and surely he would not stop. And so she thinks in her quiet desperation, perhaps more out of the reflex of the soul rather than the thought of the mind, she, she reaches out and finds herself moving to Jesus, and she says to her mind, I even but touch the hem of his garment. I will be made whole. And she reaches out. She touches his hem. And in that moment, she feels something happening within her. And she knows that she has been healed, that she was able to stop Jesus in the midst of her need, and the power of God was upon her. But it was also Jesus. And he knew immediately that healing power had gone from him, and he turned around and he said, who has touched me? And of course his disciples said, who has touched you? Well, you got all these people pushing and shoving and trying to crowd around you, and you ask the question, who, who touched me? But in a moment of her desperation, a miracle happened, and she felt the healing touch of God. And Jesus, as he stops, says to her the words that she had been waiting to hear for 12 years. Your faith has been heard. Go in peace, for you shall be made whole. Now this story took place 2,000 years ago, but it still rings with relevancy to our situations today. In the whirling entanglements of our everyday lives, where we find ourselves in situations where it seems that there's nothing we can do to make our lives any worse than they are in our anguish and doubts, where we will try anything and seek anyone who offers us a remedy for relieving us from the situations in which we find ourselves. Everyone in the world seems to be a would-be doctor whom we spend all of our time and all of our money and all of our energy seeking a cure for our problems, but it may discover that we've only been following quacks, that we at last turn to Jesus and wonder, is it too good to be true? Is he the answer that we have been searching for? But God can feel so distant at times, can't he? And so we wonder, is God so far away that Jesus 
could be interrupted for me, for me. And all the faith I had was to reach out and touch the hem of his garment to be healed. God, I tell you this morning, can meet us anytime we're open to God's presence and will stop for us and we will be touched and healed. When I was in seminary, I had a ministerial friend who asked me to preach for him at his church when he was gone. He was going to be out in the harvest field doing the work of the kingdom that Sunday. I think he was going to Tahoe to ski. <laughs> but he wanted me to fill in for him, so I did. And after the service, an elderly woman came up to me and she said, Reverend, would you like to have noon supper with me? <laughs> well, no, I don't. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but I said it inside. I don't want to be interrupted. I got things to do. I, I'm just going to pick up a McDonald's burger, take it in the car, eat it on the way back. I got studying to do. There's other obligations that I have. I don't want to be stuck with you, lady. <laughs> but she was very nice. And she reminded me of my grandmother, and she didn't look to me like many of you do, a murderer or a mugger. <laughs> Some of you, I'd never show up at your house. <laughs> But I said, well, okay, I'd like that. So I went to her house. It was one of these grand old houses. It was an old house, probably 90 years old. It was one with a great big porch on the outside. I love those great old porches. And when I came in, I could see that at one time this house must have been filled with a lot of joy and laughter. There were, there were pictures of family and grandchildren, and brothers and sisters on the walls and on the cabinets. But she was alone now in this big house. And and apparently her family was a long way away. And so she said to me, now you go in there. It was a little parlor room. And you read the paper, and I'll have supper ready soon. And, and she put on her apron, and she went away to this faraway place in her house. But I could hear her working away, fixing up the supper. Well, I thought maybe I could help her. So I got up, and I found her in this big old formal dining room with a huge chandelier over the table that needed cleaning. And she was pulling out a big drawer from this huge chest, and she got out a linen tablecloth with creases in it about two inches deep. I bet that tablecloth hadn't been used in years, and she put it on this big, long table in this big dining room, and I said, you know, my house, we can see it in the kitchen. And she just went right on. And she pulled out some napkins, cloth. Napkins. Ever seen a cloth napkin? <laughs> and she had these little silver rings that were a bit tarnished, and she put them in the, in the rings, and she set them on the table. And then she got out some beautiful old uh, silverware that also needed a little bit of work. And I said, you know, uh, we just kind of eat in the kitchen with, with paper napkins at my home. You don't have to go to all this trouble. And she just went right on. And then she opened this china cabinet with this marvelous curved glass front, and she pulled out these beautiful old stem crystal glasses and some old yet regal and beautiful china, and she placed them on the table. And I said again, well, you know, we just kind of eat in the kitchen at my house with, with paper goods. And the sweet old lady looked me straight in the eye, and she said, would you shut up and sit down? <laughs> And I said, well, that was the next thing on my list. <laughs> so I sat down. And I had about one of the best meals, home-cooked dinners, served with love, than I've ever had. Four hours later, <laughs> As I finished closing the last album of family pictures <laughs> and putting on my coat to leave, this little lady said to me as she looked me square in the eye, 
with tears welling up. Reverend Dickey, do you know what it's like day after day to fix a meal for just one? And I said, ma'am, no, I don't. And she assured me that the attendance that day at that royal supper was exactly double what it had been in a year. And she said to me, I want to thank you for allowing me to pick you this supper. I'll remember it for a long, long, long time. And I've remembered it too for 50 years, which is why if you were to come to my house for dinner, you would sit at the table with a linen tablecloth, with the best silverware, and whether you were having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a hot dog, it would be on China plates, and it would be fit for a king. That day, I was taught something I've never forgotten. Interruptions can often bring us a miracle of love when we least expect them. My friends, I want you to know today that God is in this place. And God is not busy for you, that God is not too busy to stop here, to be interrupted for you. And that whatever need you have today, I want you to know that if you will reach out and touch the hem of his garment, you will hear his word, your faith has made you whole go in peace. <clears throat> and so this morning, we are going to have an opportunity here at the altar rail for anyone who might wish to come forward for a word of prayer. We're not going to ask you why you've come forward, but if you have a need in your life where you need to just be assured for yourself or someone you love that God can stop to hear your prayer, I want you to take a moment to be with God. Brian, myself will be here. We'll have a brief prayer with you. You go back to your seat. We'll have our closing hymn. God has stopped for you today. Let him touch you. If even but by the hem of his garment you reach out, you will find healing. So come. He stopped and will be interrupted for you today. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your presence here today, for those who have come forward, for those who have remained in their pews, your presence is here for all of us. And may we this day continue to hear your words, go in peace, for your faith has made you whole. Amen. May we stand as we join together in our hymn of dedication, number 431. And on this day, may we truly understand, having been touched by God, that each one of us becomes even more a channel of God's peace.
reach out and take the hands of those standing near you. May we receive our choral benediction. squeeze and as you do may you remember that as you hold one another's hands so too God holds your hand that when you run and if you grow tired that you'll never grow tired alone may we continue to hold fast to one another's hand to hold fast to the hand of God as we go forth this day to love and to serve and to be the body of Christ go now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to love and to serve Amen, Amen. Amen. Thank you.